0: You are listening to another DX Talk, delivering vital knowledge that empowers leaders to drive transformational change in their businesses. Brought to you by Quantum, facilitators of future-focused operating models that balance people, processes, and technology towards a new way of working.
1: To DX Talks episode 5. My name is Russell Berg, I'm from Clonton, I'm the General Manager of Product and Virtual Technology. Uh, if you followed the last couple of episodes, uh, four to be precise, we're taking a slightly different approach. So, this is the, the first time we're going to move to a live recording format. I want today uh, to pick up on a report which I've seen and the report is Artificial Intelligence for Financial Services in New Zealand. It's produced by the AI Forum, which are of course uh, a major driver for AI and the utilization and adoption of AI uh, and the creation of knowledge in the New Zealand market in general. So as part of the report I've put down a few extracts. Number one, research firm IDC expects global spending on AI systems to increase by over 30% Kat compound annual a growth rate by 2022 to US $75 billion. It's only two years away, or three years, to be any one I think, you know, the key message is AI adoption is increasing across all sectors, uh, but specifically this report is, is, is stating, which I tend to agree with, that the banking and the retail sectors are leading that adoption. I'm quoting from the report here the New Zealand financial services and insurance sectors are undergoing a period of significant change. Customer and partner expectations are changing, increase in regulatory compliance, socio-political economic disruptions. And it also adds that operating pressures, um, rising cost pressures, uh, rising margins, or decreasing margins rather. And again, directly quoting, it's a challenging time for the sector and a key trend that banks and insurers must address. I think, I guess, my point would be that I certainly agree with uh, that it is a challenging time, and I certainly agree with the challenges stated. But I don't particularly think those challenges are unique or mutually exclusive to uh, the banking, the financial services, and the insurance sector. I think those are very general challenges which actually apply to pretty much every sector. Uh, what I found really, really interesting, though, is that the report references. Uh, an interesting piece of analysis by Superior as Schiff if that's how you pronounce it. So Superior is a research group, and, and SCIF is an independent research uh, and data scientist, and they reported that the financial insurance financial insurance services sector had the largest potential to derive economic benefit from AI-driven labor labor efficiencies over any other sector. So basically they did an analysis across a range of sectors looking at the productivity gains uh, which could be achieved by applying AI to the labour force and they quantified it. So they came to the conclusion that AI could deliver efficiencies and and labour efficiencies to the value of 2.6 to 6.4 billion. For the financial and insurance services sector by 2035. I'll say that again 2.6 to 6.4 billion in AI driven labour efficiencies for the financial and insurance services sector by 2035, 15 years away. To give that some further context, the financial, uh, and this is my own sort of research, a bit of poking around, the, the, the financial services sector is worth. Approximately 13 to 15 billion in in New Zealand, which equates to about 3 to 5% of our total GDP. And if if those productivity gains are possible, if AI can deliver those efficiencies, that range of 2.6 to 6.4 billion would equate to a 20 to 45% increase in productivity which is huge, that, that's, that's massive for any sector. So I think at this point as well, what's probably good to do would be to uh, to define AI. And my personal definition of AI is that AI is a, a broad-speak term used to describe collective of smart technologies, which have a processing speed, capacity, or scale that exceeds human capability. Equally, the, the, the report, takes a similar position, noting that AI has a set of technologies which includes machine learning. The point which I really liked, which I hadn't really thought of before, is that AI is just one set of emerging technologies uh, and you know, that have to be considered holistically. Uh, and there are some really relevant examples in there. Yeah. You've got blockchain, cryptocurrencies, you've got the rise of peer-to-peer and digital platforms. I don't think you can look at AI or any single technology in there in isolation, I think you have to look at AI as a collective of set of technologies and that collective set of technologies holistically with the wider uh, you know, trends and technology sets and emerging technologies which take place. The report itself uh, is delivered in two parts. Part uh, A related specifically to financial services, mainly um, banking and Part B are uh, related specifically to insurance and services. Uh, and I think rightly so, because there are quite distinct differences uh, in terms of the operating needs and in terms of the, the industries. What was quite clear to me, you know, reading the report, which, which I already knew, you know, many companies are already experimenting with possibilities um, across banking and insurance. We're seeing automated customer service agents. We're seeing robotic devices we're seeing fraud detection, we're seeing robotic process automation. we're seeing robo-regulation. These are all, all happening now. What I found interesting, though, is that the report references New Zealand survey results from IDC claiming that only 1.2% of organisations have adopted cognitive and AI systems. Only 1.2% of organisations have adopted cognitive and AI systems. I think on one hand it's hard to argue like, with a number that they've calculated that somehow, but I, I do find that person a little bit light. I, you know, I, I think it probably depends on how you define adoption. My my general feel is there's a lot more out there than what we're aware of. I, I think that it's probably hiding inside organisations. We're sitting there as data solutions. We're sitting there as specific uh, use cases. It'll be being used in a specific team or a specific context. Context, but what I would certainly agree with is that we have a very low level uh, you know, of organisations out there that have deployed these technologies as capability and, and deployed that capability at scale. Uh, and I think what's what's really interesting, you know, that same report from IDC, they basically claimed that there balance of people, you know, which would be. 98.8%, uh, they're, they're, ex- yeah, they're currently exploring and or planning to adopt in the future. So there's certainly no disagreement there. There's another stat from IDC, which uh, basically said yeah, 60% of, of businesses deem AI to be uh, very important or critically important to to their future. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's no disagreements there in the market, I think. Uh, I was at see CEO Talks, probably about a month ago now, and there's a there's a quote from Lady Angie Judge, uh, who's the CEO for a data company called Dexbit, and, and I really liked the view she shared, which was that New Zealanders are not afraid to try something new, but we're slow to follow through with investment. In other words, we're quick to put our toes in the water, but slow to jump in the deep end. Uh, and in her mind, we're missing out on the she specifically compared us to U.S. companies who she thought uh, can be slower slower start in general, but they're very good at following through with investment and organisational wide uh, adoption of capability. Supporting this idea as well, uh, so there's another report which I've had a look at, and I'll be dropping all of these reports into the show notes. Uh, the report, so it's called AI transforming the enterprise, eight key AI adoption trends. It's by KPM machine um, I would caution as I release a few stats from that that it's, it's based on US based companies and US based adoption. But they clearly reported 17% of companies interviewed who were using AI and machine learning at scale. So again, there's a, a far you know, if you're looking at who's who's using, I think the number is going to be significantly greater. Who's using at scale I think is a is a very low number. Uh, and equally, referring back to KPMG, uh, a further 30% have deployed selective use cases and functions. So, I guess the, the two key takeaways for me is well, I tend to agree with the fact that we have a relatively low level of adoption at scale, and then, two, globally, uh, the data is showing signs that we're lagging behind. And I think the area you know, if I look at our business demography, I tend to believe that the, the larger businesses, the, the biggest enterprise in New Zealand, are getting behind technology trends, their building capability. They may still have a way to go in terms of scaling it and in terms of growing it, but, but this seems there. I think the businesses which are really, uh, are really falling behind in New Zealand uh, are what we would call our tier 2 and our tier 3 businesses. Uh, still very, very sizable businesses in their own right. Uh, but, you know, I think there's definitely sort of a gap there. Some of the key use cases uh, which are coming through, uh, Harmony is using machine learning to assess customer applications. So Harmony, of course, this is the online uh, peer-to-peer lending platform. So, so Harmony is using artificial intelligence to accurately assess credit risk of borrowers. Um, And they're doing this from information from over 300,000 applications, which they use to train the models. So that's absolutely huge. I mean, they're reducing, they're improving the quality of application outcomes, they're reducing risk to investors, and I dare say they're improving the customer experience by having to to ask less questions as well, which is really cool. ANZ have uh, launched their customer service avatar uh, Jamie, I think it's called, available on the website. And I think what's really interesting about Jamie is, you know, I don't want to have done this now, but it's in my mind it's really a glorified chatbot. I mean what we've got is a, a highly advanced avatar, um, but it's still underpinned by, by conversational AI, it's still underpinned by um, pre-programmed conversations. And, Interestingly, certainly I like, was at the AI Summit in San Francisco, probably two months ago now. And, and that certainly is in line with what I saw coming kind out of that summit. You know, I came away, if I exclude the data, the, the two biggest technologies which were having a significant impact were machine learning and, and conversational AI platforms. Equally, simple with said and I thought this was really cool. Uh, there's a use case, reporting, uh, use case reported using voice biometrics to identify people and increase security on mobile devices, um, typically authorizing transactions over a certain threshold. And linking again back to uh, customer service avatars, Southern cross healthcare, have also announced their plans to launch a virtual assistant uh, in the report later, later this year, in 2019 so given that we're in December, I'm not sure that that's happened or not at this point. Uh, Equally, you know, in going into more detail, there's a, a huge range of other use cases being reported, you yeah, for, for protection, market use protection, process
0: automation. The way the world works is changing, and organizations need to change with it. At Quantum, we transform your operating model to a new, future-focused way of working by helping you build internal capability and find the sweet spots where automation can have the biggest impact on your business with quantifiable benefit. To find out more, visit quantin.co.nz.
1: The key takeaway for me is that we're now seeing these technologies being applied across the spectrum of the organization from front of house operations uh, through middle house uh, and and back office. And more importantly, you know, specifically in relation to front of house, we're seeing these technologies being directly engaged, directly utilised by customers. And even though some of the data I mentioned before, which points to New Zealand businesses lagging behind, domestically, we are achieving results in the application of these technologies. Direct quote here from our finance report, Corporate investment in AI is beginning to pay off for some large Australian and New Zealand banks who are early adopters, with improvements highlighted through machine learning automation and reduced turnaround times by up to 40% in trade, credit and customer services. Some of those results there I believe, specifically relate to ANZ. There's another major bank who we've worked closely with uh, and they're on public record as having uh, Basically, saying they've automated over 50 processes using remote process automation and now returning 40,000 40, hours to the business. I was also involved in an in automation assessment for what you would call a, a large enterprise. Uh, I believe they turned over approximately million million, uh, where we identified core processes which could be automated uh, and would achieve a payback within one year. The key message for me is that the benefits there, but it in my experience it does have to be carefully planned for There's a, a, a quote which I referenced recently and technology tends to be overhyped in the short term underestimated in the long term and if I think thinking back to robotic process automation three years ago it was certainly in that phase where it was being overhyped and the adoption the was riding on some crazy global numbers you know, we were seeing reports coming out of uh, the states and out of Europe of, of triple-digit, you know, two and three hundred percent return on investment uh, in 12 months for uh, out of know, these programs and out of know, these solutions. And whilst they, they may have been true, I, you know, New Zealand fundamentally operates on a different style, and often. Yeah, you know, those results don't directly translate down to New Zealand. So whether it's robotic process automation or, or whether it's another smart processing technology, whatever it is, I, I do believe the results are there. But as I said before, I believe they have to be carefully planned for uh, in the context of, of New Zealand businesses. But there are challenges, uh, and one of the bigger challenges that the report discusses is is growing adoption is limited pool of local machine learning and AI talent to develop and implement technologies. But I think that, that challenge is really twofold. The first being that we've got a rapidly emerging sorry, a rapidly emerging and growing space and later mark the labour market needs time to develop the skills required. The other side of that though is, is the rapid growth has led to demand outstripping uh, you know, the growth in supply and, and so I think for the short term it does. Yeah, businesses will continue to report it hard to find talent. Uh, I want to give some context to that level 9 as well and I'm going back to the KPNG report here. So the KPNG report claimed that the most mature companies in their survey sample had on average 375 full-time employees working on AI, uh, again I'll go back to my comments that, that globally business operate on a different spectrum. So that, yeah, whilst it might not directly relate to New Zealand, I think the key point here is that businesses globally are investing into talent, they're investing into people, they're investing into the skills. And further, sorry, further supporting the growth in demand, most of these companies, uh, same as the KPMG report here, reported that their investments in AI-related talent and supporting infrastructure will increase 50 to 100% in the next three years. AI-related talent and supporting infrastructure will increase 50 to 100% in the next three years. I going to go off my slides here. Uh, There's an article written by a colleague of mine, uh, Archie Moore. Uh, it was published by CIO yeah. and also provides an interesting context on in this problem, um, particularly the talent side of that problem, being that we don't have a talent shortage in this So contrary to, to what I've been talking about for the last five minutes, Archie's position was we do not have a talent shortage in New Zealand. Uh, so as you can shares in this article, so I'll drop this into the show notes, New Zealand is producing world-class talent. What we have is a shortage of people who have specific experience or experience with specific technologies. And I think the powerful idea here is that talent is hard to find. but experience can be created. The inference being that we have access to the talent we need if we start to look at the social different I guess the point I was making is, you know, we have the talent, we have the talent coming out of the universities, we have the, the talent in our know, labor market already. It's simply a case of how do we reskill that talent to be relevant to the technologies and the use cases uh, that we need to be working on. So, you know, closing that section off, for me really the, the key message as a core part of a digital strategy indeed feeding out into organisational strategy is, is how we're going to, how these capabilities are going to be resourced in the short uh, and long term, and how, how sure. organisations will create capability. And we're really stepping in, you know, that's a massive conversation, we're really stepping into future workforce design and what's required. But, but now is the time to have the conversation. Yeah, I think if it's left, Two, three, five, five years, the you know, organisations will fall too far behind. I truly believe now is the time to be having that conversation and creating the seeds for that talent and that capability in the organization. Because the seed that is planted this year, the seed that is planted next year, uh, will become the, the future capability of three, four, five years' time when it's going to be needed most. Equally, you, you know, probably spend a couple of minutes talking around talent shortage but there's certainly a wide range of challenges which have to be considered uh, in terms of AI adoption you know you've got regulatory and data regulation and uh, I'll I'll drop a a link to another article I wrote but you know basically technological advancements uh, are outstripping the government's ability to keep pace with regulation and I, I think there's been some quite significant steps taken both globally and in New Zealand, uh, but it's, it's not happening fast enough. Uh, industry investment, you know, I, I think historically, you know, businesses are inclined to operate within their own walls, so to speak. But I, I think the opportunity is for industries to look at how they can elaborate and how they can jointly invest for the, the betterment of the industry. You've certainly had organisational challenges and I think I touched on that a little bit when I was talking about organisational design but one of the other really key takeaways I came back from the AI summit with was that AI is not it's not a team, it's not a department. Um, AI adoption and AI capability it really is, um, it, it has to be adopted by the entire organisation, from the senior leadership at the top through to the frontline staff who are working alongside technology to service customers. But I think if that's, if that's not achieved, uh, you're only setting yourself up for barriers. On oh, a but you've got social licence and trust. Uh, you know, I think transparency is going to be one of the most important things moving forwards. Uh, yeah, transparency around the fact that people are dealing with a processes and especially as machine learning plays a, a, a larger and larger and increasing role in decision making. What is the basis of how this decision is being made? Um, why was that decision made relative to my application? Those, those are going to be really interesting ethical questions which start to come up. And of course on the back of that, you yeah. that privacy and that bias and all sorts of things will start to fall out. Uh, you've got challenges around scaling. I, one of the points I just agree with in the report is that it suggests one of the best ways to start is to start small. And, and in essence, I agree with that. But in the report, what they talk about is going you know, to find specific use cases and start proving value based on those use cases. And I think the danger of that sentiment is indeed what, what, what we see you know, in a lot of the businesses businesses that we deal with, it's putting in a solution is is easy, putting in a solution is not hard at all, but turning that solution into a capability and scaling it with relevant benefits to the organisation, that's hard, it's a lot easier to say than it is to do. And even the how, you know, how how do you do that, again that's that's actually easy to talk through but the practical reality of implementing that into a business that, that's often the hard bit, which I guess is one of the, other, the key points that I've made before is change management. Yeah, we're not talking about technology projects here; we're talking about significant change projects. So, and this is out of directly out of the report, uh, they talk about how do you overcome this, and none of these are sort of foreign concepts. Number one is strategy, and the. The most important thing is understanding what your organisational strategy is, understanding what your strategic drivers are, and then aligning a digital strategy to that. If you if you can't do that, if you produce benefit, you you're really limiting the chance that that benefit will be tangible and relevant to the organisation. People and culture. I've said this already, AI is capability, it's not a solution or a partner, you've got to have a workforce change plan, you've got to have an organisational change manual plan in place. Technology is 10%, we're talking about your, your, your challenges, the challenges are not going to come from the technology itself, the challenges are going to come from everything around the technology, how it integrates to your business, uh, how it integrates to your processes, how your people are work what your people think of it, how your people work for it. These are where your challenges are going to come from. And data uh, yeah, has a huge area, and I, and I think, you know, a big one from a data perspective is, you yeah, there's the old saying, shit in, shit out. And it's, 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 it's truer than ever. And I think when I look at the technologies that we've been that talking about here, they produce an exponential greater amount of data we've ever seen before is an output, and they eat data for breakfast. So if organisations don't have their data sorted, you know, clean, uh, accessible, you're greatly highly limited to what you can achieve. And I think there's an extension of that point as well. Most organisations don't know, you know, we're talking about creating exponentially greater of data with these technologies, but most organisations don't know the value of the data that they already have. I think that's a really interesting question. Right like before, yeah, you know, before organisations start running off and building these big strategies around how to grow data and what they can do with all this new data, or let's start by understanding the data that we've got. Let's start by understanding what's really there and understanding those opportunities that I have for Uh Processes. It's a really yeah. interesting one. Yeah. You know, I think there's a piece in there, and where people logically start to go to is process maturity. I don't necessarily believe that you have to have uh, mature processes to start applying technology. Uh, the less mature your processes, the I think say is the more agile you have to be prepared to be. Now, see, the other thing we asked a lot is, do I have to optimise my process before before we automate it? or before we apply technology to it. And my answer to that is quite simple, is you never apply technology to a broken process. The process is broken, you have to resolve that first. But it is okay to apply technology to a process that is not fully optimized. And the reason I say that is often the application of technology to processes creates a creates data points that have not previously been available and creates a level of transparency that has necessarily not been previously available. And once you have those two things, increase data and increase transparency, you can begin to make quantifiable decisions around the most effective ways to optimize the process. And lastly, the report talks about partners. And I think this is an interesting one. In some degree, I think this links back to the level of capability and the level of skills and the level of experience that organisations have. But the clear advice from the report is talking to partners. And I think if, if I skip past the, the depth of, of knowledge that partners have, I think the other thing that partners see is how technology is being used in other sectors, in other businesses. And so they're not just bringing the you know, specific skills and specific knowledge. They're bringing growth, learnings, and experience uh, that can be applied to businesses. So that wraps up. Uh, the podcast today has been discussing the artificial intelligence for financial and insurance services in New Zealand, a report by the AI Forum. I heavily referenced uh, AI transforming the enterprise. Eight Key AI Adoption Trends, a report by KBNG. Uh, I discussed a couple of articles, sorry, a couple of other articles as I was going through, so all of those are going to be in the show notes. Uh, along with a link to an article by uh, Gary Green, who was the managing director report on. Uh, it was actually that article that prompted me to get hold of a report and write this podcast. So until next podcast, go well, and we'll see you guys all soon.
0: You are listening to another DX Talk brought to you by Quantum, the future-focused pioneers for a new way of working. To drive change in your operating model through automation or to subscribe for more episodes, visit quantum.co.nz.